0: Ice to your earbuds, a podcast about hockey, featuring things to do with hockey. From your friends at ESPN, it's ESPN on ice with Greg Wyshinsky.
1: Well, hey everybody. Happy 2018. It's ESPN on Ice, the place where ESPN covers hockey. And I'm Greg Wyshinski from New York City, a senior NHL Raider, and along with me is Emily Kaplan.
2: And I'm in Chicago, where it's really cold, but I'm very warmed to be joined by our very special guest this week. And it's Linda Cohn in Bristol, Connecticut.
3: So glad to be uh, a part of it. And thanks for having me. And it is freezing here as well.
2: (laughs) Good to hear not alone.
1: (laughs) In fairness, I mean, I know all of you guys are, oh, it's so cold. I was at the actual Winter Classic on January 1st. Winter is in the title. Uh, and, and it was, like, 20 degrees. I spoke to a guy at the top of the upper deck at City Field who did the entire interview with me with frozen snot on his nose. And I kept on making the motion <laughs> with my hands to kind of, like, pinch it off or kind of, like, do a little sleeve wipe. But he couldn't get clued in. But, like... Any dude who paid $159 to sit at the top of the upper deck at City Field by that chain link fence and have the wind blow on you the whole game and, and see the ice from a mile away. I'm not, I mean, you could have all the snot in your face that you want. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna (laughs) mock or anything.
3: I don't know about you Emily or Greg I don't know how many Winter Classics you've been at I mean this was the first one involving an outdoor game involving the Rangers I was not at they still managed to win without me I guess I should give credit to Henrik Lundqvist <laughs> on that but uh, I remember the first one I went to Citizens Bank um, the one first Ranger won Rangers Flyers which as we all know was a classic and I paid for my tickets I had family and friends they cost a hell of a lot more than the 150 on top of City Field there uh, but I wasn't on the uh, last row but it was so well worth it and I always say this anyone who's never done it you don't even have to be a you know a crazy hockey fan you have to experience what it is in person the winter classic because um this I watched it you know and I was covering the last few for ESPN but sitting on my couch watching it yes I was nice and warm with my puppy it was great guys but <laughs> you know it was hard to see the first period with the shadows and everything and I mean I'm not blaming NBC but Uh, Anyone just tuning in who perhaps was a casual sports fan, I'm not even going to say casual hockey fan, they might have been turned off because you really couldn't see the puck and the camera was so far away. And then finally, with the shadows and how it works, the second period, they... I don't know, NBC figured it out. There was no shadows, and also the, the camera got closer. So it is a challenge. Um, I saw it from another end, not being there, which I found interesting, a challenge to shoot this thing and make it uh, a spectacle as it is from year to year.
2: It's really interesting. And yet one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is talk about this game, because you're such a big Rangers game. I'm curious, what did you think of the actual game and kind of where does this rank of
3: all the Winter Classics you've seen? Well, you know what, um... I thought the first period was just kind of boring. Um, I really did. I mean, it's it a hot was like, take. Each, yeah. I mean, each player was just each uh, team, you know, they were all the players were just feeling themselves out, getting accustomed to the elements. Obviously, there were several players that have been involved in outdoor games before, but man, then once we got to the second and third period and obviously the finish, it was great. I mean, if you just look at it, you know, on a non-biased view, I, I know that the Rangers have that silly agreement and it's not silly because you know people are getting paid but i mean i still can't believe that the rangers were the uh, road team they're they are not allowed to play a home game of course other than madison square garden um but it just there was no i mean greg were there any sabers fans there
1: oh no there were tons of sabers fans there i mean where clear- I,
3: I didn't hear them
1: well, well listen, you have to remember most of them were still painfully hung over from the Bills making the playoffs in the previous <laughs> days. So like, I mean, it, 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 Touché. they're Touché. trying to avoid loud noises as much as they can. Now there was a lot of Sabres fans there, but again, like I agree with you, it's it's kind of hilarious to think that the Rangers have played four road games in the Winter Classic, and <laughs> three of them were home games. I mean, there was two at Yankee Stadium, and one at City Field, um, which is probably one reason why Lunquist is 4-0 in them, but no, I I, I I agree with you. I think the first period with the shadows and everything was kind of rough, Uh and then the, gradually the the game got better. They understood what the ice was doing to the puck, and and uh, when the when the the rink was covered in darkness, it was no longer a situation. Like Shattenkirk told me that at some points in the first period, he was legit worried he was passing the puck to the wrong team because he simply couldn't see the players in front of him because of the sun glare. Which brings me my my, my grander point, Linda, about these outdoor games. I, I like them. I'm I'm a mark for outdoor games. I think that uh, each one has its own charms. I think that maybe we could dial it back on the Blackhawks being in them, but that's a separate issue. For me, I, I wonder if people are sick of the outdoor game tropes. Like, as a guy who covers these games, it seems like I'm writing the same damn thing every every time we go to one. Is can you handle the sun glare? Uh, are you worried about your toes getting cold? Does this and, remind like, you of pond like hockey our, as a kid? Yeah, the pond hockey as a kid thing exactly. Like, are are, are is that the part that's overplayed? Like, is the outdoor hockey yeah. thing all right? But we're Great sick of point. talking about it.
3: Great point, uh, Greg and Emily. Because here's the thing: uh, we're entertained, we're <laughs> amused because we're already in. We love <laughs> hockey. You know, we'll watch it on the moon. We don't care. Um, but. The other people, at the beginning, it was a novelty, it was a spectacle, and I think it has become a little bit you know repetitive for the average sports fan. Um, it's interesting this one they dialed back a bit. I mean, there was no alumni games, yeah, mm-hmm. there was no you know uh, none of that hoopla and, uh, the uh, what I would like to see. You know, is, you know, teams like, like, let's get the Nashville Predators in there. I mean, like a lot of people, a lot of fans that tweet at me, a lot of people that, uh, are just casual observers say, how do you get to be in the Winter Classic? Like, they want to know, like, who, who picks the team? Is there a method to the madness? That you mentioned tongue-in-cheek with the Blackhawks getting in every other year. I mean, that's, you know, so there are these other teams. I know Gary Bettman has said this over and over again. Every year, all teams, they plead, they beg, they write proposals, they email and say, Gary, get us in an outdoor game. So, yes, it's it's wonderful. It's unique for every team that does it. But I'd like to see other teams get involved, you know, for sure. Maybe that's what it needs. But I... For us hockey fans, we love it, but I think it's lost a little of its luster for the outside world.
1: I like the idea of, of people uh, emailing gbetman at AOL.com trying to get their <laughs> uh, outdoor games. But also, but I think you bring up an interesting point about about the teams that play in it and who gets it and who doesn't. And I think, I wrote about this in our, our sort of like predictions for 2018 post on ESPN. Like, I think the Predators are going to get one, but I think it has to be a stadium series game because one of the, the key issues that's specific to the Winter Classic is building availability. And there's no question that the Predators want to play in uh, – was it Nissan Stadium, I think it mm-hmm. is, where the t- right. Titans play. They want to play there, but they certainly aren't getting that building um, on January 1st because it's either going to be week 17 of the NFL or the Titans might be in the playoffs. So I think in the case of some of these cities that haven't gotten them yet – it may be a situation of, yeah, you can go play a game in Bush Stadium or City Field or, you know, uh, Citizens Bank Park in, in Philly, um, lickety-split, because those are all baseball stadiums. But when it comes to getting the football stadium, if you have an NFL team uh, that might be a playoff team, uh, then you're probably not going to get the building on January 1st.
3: Yeah, I could see that. Although Vanderbilt, where the football team plays in that beautiful university there, yeah. you could make a case they could play there, I would think. Uh, but yeah, no, valid point, for sure. But this anyway, my, hey, come yeah. on. It's Gary Bettman, Bill Daly. They'll think of something, right? I mean, they, they, we'll this, them all this, in China this is their or bright idea, right, Emily? This is their yeah. bright idea. They take credit for it every year. They talk about how it's the greatest thing ever every single year. Well, they have to be ahead of the game and not let this whole thing, you know, die out and lose its popularity.
2: 100%. Well, this is my last thing off the Winter Classic, and we'll move on, but... Sometimes in these games, especially this year, the rivalry feels contrived. I mean, especially with how uncompetitive the Sabres are right now. So building off of that, if the NHL adds Seattle, we might be looking at realignment, which could shuffle the divisions a bit. And it feels like so many teams claim the Rangers to be their rival. The Flyers, the Penguins, the Devils, the Islanders, even like the Cats sometimes. I'm just curious, in your opinion... Who do you think is the Rangers' biggest rival? And if we had realignment and shift divisions, maybe would they play an original six team like the Bruins or Maple Leafs more often? Would you be into that?
3: Well, um, they're they real rival. I mean, I'm a listen. My first people are going to be in a state of shock now. The first hockey team I loved was the New York Islanders. What? But I was a little girl and didn't last long because I was raised on Long Island, and my dad got me into hockey. And then that year, of course, this was before, obviously, the Islanders' glory years. It was in the 70s. And it was the Rangers going into the playoffs, and my dad was watching the Rangers, and I became a Ranger fan on Stuck for Life. But the real rivalry is Islanders-Rangers. That is the real Ranger rival. The one Pop, chance is Poppin' sucks,
2: sucks. He hasn't played in 40 years. <laughs>
3: That's right. You know, and and to De- uh, Dennis's credit, because i i I see him every blue moon, and, you know, because obviously he's color radio analyst for the uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, he well, he loves it. He takes that all in stride. It's a great thing. But that's their real rivals. And as for realignment, first of all, I, lived, uh, I worked and lived in Seattle close to three years. Please, I, they would support. I'd love to have an NHL team in Seattle. It would be great. It would be great for us media types as well. Uh, it would be fabulous. The fans would support that team, win or lose, for sure. And, you know, I, it's, original six has a different kind of feel to it. I mean, it's not like a rival game, but, of course, it's still original six, so it's still a big deal for us hockey nuts. Sure. Let
1: me, pa- let me pause on that Seattle thing for a second, because we've talked about this before on the show. My only concern is that if a hockey team goes there, I mean, they're going to obviously have really strong ownership, you know they're gonna have the support of the league, they're gonna have the support of the fans. My only concern is that like the minute they get the NBA back there, we take a back seat. And there's already a lot of entertainment dollars being committed out there to the Mariners, to the Seahawks, to UW sports, to everything else. Do you think that there's enough interest and money to go around if there's both an nba and an nhl team in seattle
3: yeah greg i see what you're saying but i think times have changed i think if you would ask me this question like you know five years ago six years ago um i might have wavered a bit but i do believe there's enough to go around and you know you can't assume that and for, for I, I hate when a decision is made based on fear or not? maybe that's a little bit too strong, but decisions like worrying about the unknown, like this could happen if this happens. And, you know, you just never know what's going to happen by the time a team is in place in Seattle. You don't know where the – while the NBA is exploding right now and is doing very well financially and in popularity, you just don't know where that's going to be in five years where, like, stars are beginning to retire. and You don't know who's replacing those stars. So um, I think Seattle – I mean, I, again, I lived in there that city close to three, three years, and that was a long time ago. That was, ugh, God, I can't believe I'm dating myself, but that was <laughs> last time I was uh, lived there was 1992, and now look at it. I mean, it's an amazing uh, place. It's um, They love their sports. We see what they do for the Seahawks, the Mariners one more often. Um, that would be a great thing, too, for that um, city. Uh, you know, they have an amazing field there at Safeco, and, you know, I, Greg, I don't think that's a problem. I really think there'd be enough to go around. Listen, look, I mean, you can, anyone, listen, Greg and Evelyn, you guys know this for a fact. The, when you're always worried, and the people that make the bold predictions and concerns, did we ever think the Vegas Golden Knights would have the second-best record in the NHL? <laughs> I mean, I mean, right? I mean, yeah. I, I just, when people like, are like, oh, I don't know this or that, or blah, 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 who the hell knows? I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> And I really hope George McPhee goes for it. I tweeted that out last week. I mean, I know he's got a million UFAs and RFAs, but, you know, that's a typical example. Oh, well, wait, we got to build because in five years we can have a super team. You know, you got a team with intangibles of players playing for new contracts, And you'll never get this much out of your players all at once as a group Hmm. that a hockey team is getting right now in the Vegas Golden Knights. I say they should go for it. It
1: Sounds like somebody's got a prop bet on the Knights for the Cup (laughs) over there. Damn it, I wish
3: I did.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Linda, it's a great time for American hockey right now, and not just because there is a team in Las Vegas, which makes us media types happy. Uh, just the sport in general, and there's, there's great players, and obviously we're not seeing them on the Olympic stage as some of the best we have to offer, like Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews. But the World Junior team is pretty good, and we're recording this before their elimination game against Russia. But I'm just curious your thoughts on the tournament and what you've seen so far.
3: Oh, it's it's been great. Um, you know, of what I've seen. I mean, I, I know we're, we've reached as we're speaking now the quarterfinal stage, but watching some of these young stars, like the Kiefer Bellows, to me um, has kind of like just like stood out. Like, hmm. okay, this guy, put him in right now for the Islanders. Bring him. You know, I, I mean. I mean, you are a big Islanders is, fan. Yeah, well, that's right. I will. get yeah, exactly. Listen, I root for. I re- I what's the, I just say the Island, the Rangers are always be in my always will be in my heart, no matter what happens, uh, you know, because I've always been loyal and everything. But I, there's no hate for the Islanders, and the, and it's only good for the uh, hockey community in new york so but Kiefer bellows it just is totally is a standout um i that that's what i think it's just it's always great as a whole to see um these how the you know this tournament plays out it's always an amazing tournament uh to watch so yeah i'm totally enjoying it i mean it's kind of so bizarre to have the um olympic selections um, uh, <laughs> at the winter class the they were. And like uh, uh, you know, it, you know, with all due respect to those that are going to represent our country, um, it really felt weird. And then to hear NBC say a, a zillion times, uh, "the best athletes of the world <laughs> representing our country," and I'm like saying to myself, "Not in every sport, right? Well, it's yeah, literally a blatant
1: lie." Li- like I wrote yeah. on, like I wrote in our little morning skate this t- today on, uh, on you know, who's your U.S. Uh, Olympic ice hockey uh, uh, obsession now. Because there's got to be there's, – there's a bunch of people on that team that a lot of us are sort of – whether it's Jordan Greenway or, or, uh, or uh, Brian Giant or whoever. But it's sure. sort of like – it's sort of like a 1990s sports comedy, right? It's like, the pros don't go to the Olympics, so now we put together the ragtab group, the guy who, who flamed out the NHL and has been playing in Russia for four years, the famous, you know, guy with the famous dad who's never been able to establish himself in the, in the, really? it's, it's like, it, it, it's like a just bad comedy. Out. It's, but I mean, that's not to say they're not good players, it's just the way you compare that roster to that of the, uh, of the, of the NHL players and it just comes off that way.
3: And it's not even the uh, group of uh, great collegiate athletes in 1980, the Miracle on Ice. It's it's just this group of, we'll take some from this area, we'll take some from this pot, you know, AHL, college, you know, the old guys, Chris Bork and Brian Giante. Let's go find a know, guy in Germany. And put it all together <laughs> and mix it up, and maybe we will have an amazing dish that will win us top prize on the food network. Oh, it's it's <laughs> the Olympics, sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like this guy's dead. We'll cross him off then. But th- here's the question. Do you do you are you going to watch it? Like are you are you are you has the NHL spoiled the men's Olympic ice hockey tournament for you or or can you get into it this year?
3: Uh, you know, I'll I'll watch it cuz I love the game. I love hockey. But um, I, you know, full disclosure here cuz I don't want to be a hypocrite when when I found out that the NHL players weren't going because the NHL didn't want the players to go. As a, you know, as a diehard NHL fan first, I was like, yay, no stoppage of the season. <laughs> no. I was actually <laughs> I was actually okay, happy. I, was listening. <laughs> I really was. I know all the players want to go. But then I'm like, oh, you know, I was thinking selfishly as a fan, as a fan of the game and having hockey on every night. You know, so I was like, but, you know, I'll be curious to see how these guys do. I hope they know what they're doing, putting these guys together. But you're right. You guys wrote about it on ESPN.com. Several amazing stories involving a lot of these players that will represent our country. So sure, I'll watch, you know, but I I hope it's not like, you know, split up with a million commercials. I might DVR it and shuttle through the commercials.
2: Well, the best thing is we actually do have a good American team, and that's the women, and they'll probably compete for gold, so we
3: have that to watch. Well, their games with Canada are always great, right? So we're we we, we we're guaranteed something exciting, for sure. Yeah. I
1: oh, asked to go. Decker about that yesterday, about the whole, the whole, like, how do you possibly play this tournament <laughs> when all we care about – like, all we care about is Canada. All they care about is Canada. Like, is it hard getting up for, for Finland? And she's like – no, it's it's not. I mean, it's the Olympics. But I think the interesting thing about women's hockey vis-a-vis the U.S.-Canada rivalry is that I feel like we're we're, we're inching towards a place, and, and Linda, as a goalie, you will appreciate this. I think we're inching towards a place where games will be competitive enough against non-Canadian opponents where it, all it takes is one great goal performance to upset the U.S.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, that's for sure. But I remember, um, and again, correct me, inform me, but wasn't uh, it, it with the men's uh, last Olympics, the Latvian goaltender almost upset Canada? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I forgot that guy's name, but he was amazing. I think he's in the league now in some capacity. Uh, but anything can happen. You know, we know that. You know, yes, I'm biased. I'm a goalie. I know goalies love to steal games. And, you know, it, it, anything like that can happen. That's why we watch. Well, I looked it up. It's Chris
2: Levix and he's a prospect of the Islanders.
1: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, Island, goalies, the Islanders yeah. now have like two great uh, international upset goalies in the roster, uh, in Halak in Hel- and, and- <laughs> Gislason. And none of them. That's well, you go. Yeah, yeah. well that,
3: they have to do better in the goaltending department. Halak yeah. has, you know, he's he's looked a little better, but the Islanders, their older defensemen are breaking down. They're rather aging, and and uh, yeah, I'll tell you that Metro division, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm looking more forward to how the Metro Division plays out uh, in the second half of the season more than anything in in hockey, to be honest with you, because, you know, all those teams, and now Carolina's making this incredible run. I don't know if they'll be for real, but... um, so many teams, and uh, it'll be interesting to see it's like Columbus, where they go, because right now they're spiraling, Yeah. Um, and will the Devils hang on? Are they continue? Will they? Are they still the of real course. deal? Are they the real deal. deep enough to go as far? I mean, trophy it's really Taylor fascinating.
1: Hall. Come on. You know that. I only <laughs> well, got one more for you, Linda. Yeah, yeah and it's about. And you mentioned Halak, so we'll just go to NHL goalies.
3: Yes, why don't not? be Don't
1: be a homer, okay? But who's the best goalie in the NHL right now?
3: Right this second, uh, you can make i I'm not because you said don't be a homer. I won't be a homer, but I'd say right now you have to say Lundqvist. Right now in the top three, Pekarene, you have to put him there in the top three right now. Just how they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, give me another one. Uh,
1: you go, Bob Volpe or Price?
3: No way, Bob. He has fallen off the face of the earth. Every, it was like the uh, Saquon Barkley. Let's give him a Heisman Trophy. Uh, same with Bobrovsky. Let's give him the Vezina. Uh, you know, he's, he's not going to win the Vezina. He's been awful the last few weeks. Um, uh, who did you say? Holby and who else?
1: Or uh, Price.
3: Uh, ugh, not Carey Price. Uh, you can make a better case for Jonathan Quick than Carey Price.
1: All right, so no, Holpe or yeah,
3: Quick. Thing, it, Wait, wait, but that's another thing. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, when are they just going to blow up that team? (laughs) Well, it sounds like
2: Pacioretty's on the trade block, so it could be soon.
3: Yeah, well, I'm sure he'll be happy to escape it. I mean, I shouldn't talk for him, but (laughs) it's it's, it's just like a, it is just, wow. All
1: right, Linda. Okay, this is fun. uh, Thanks for having me. You're the first guest that we've had on the phone. So we'll be sending you a trophy or something in the mail soon.
3: Oh, good. Well, I, I that's awesome. I hope I've set, well, you probably don't hope I've set a trend on that, but hopefully the sound quality was excellent. And I didn't interrupt <laughs> this interview, uh, to, uh, give my dog a treat after she went outside. Oh, so, she's a good girl, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, well, it.
1: <laughs> uh, well Emily, sounds like we have to order a second trophy. The first guest to feed their dog. Yeah, the these aren't just the
2: participation podcast. trophies.
3: These are serious. You deserve. Yes. both Yeah, of them. well, I'm honored. So yes, I'll, I'll I'll put it next to my thousands of other trophies.
2: <laughs> well, that's it. We do appreciate your time, and we do hope to have you on soon. Maybe we'll um once you get the trophies, you can have a photo, and we'll tweet it out.
3: There, there it the is. Mail. Sounds good, guys.
1: Emily, she's she's one of the people who kept the light of hockey lit before we got to ESPN.
2: She's awesome, and uh, we appreciate her and her hot takes. On a, not wanting an Olympic break because she just needs to watch those uh Hurricane Ranger games in January.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, NBC did announce that they're going to I think they added 3 games to the schedule during the Olympic break, like 3 Sunday games. So at okay. least now there's there's and I'm some sure the there's, Rangers
2: will be in all 3 of them.
1: Do you think that was the trade-off? Like do you think that the NHL said like NBC's like, "Hey, we want to use the Winter Classic to announce the Team USA players." And the, and the NHL's like, "Give us 3 games." It just occurred to me that's probably what it was.
2: Yeah, I and mean, then give us the Blackhawks in every winter classic, please.
1: <laughs> who do you think's the best goalie in the game right now? Like, who you've you got to win a game. Who are you taking for that one game?
2: That's a great question. Um, I was interested to hear, say, Pika Rennick, just because he's been so up and down throughout his career. But he is having a good year, and I think because of the structure they're having. I think I'm going Andre uh, Vasilevsky. I can never pronounce it. Probably butchered it.
1: No, you nailed it.
2: Honestly, if the NHL players were going to Russia right now, I do think he uh, upsets uh, Bob as the number one goalie for Russia.
1: If I had to win one game, and I know this isn't going to be a popular pick because a lot of people malign this guy, um, but I would probably take Quick if I had to win one game, like if, in, in a game game seven atmosphere. There or has like, to be stakes. Yeah, there has to be stakes. Yeah, I'm not taking Quick as my, you know. Hey, you're playing San Jose to on start. Tuesday. Yeah, fifty-five to sixty-five start guy. Like, if, but if you need, if I needed to win a game, I probably. And you know who else is in this category too? It's it's funny. Like, Ron I don't. Necess, I'm not. I'm not necessarily a Matt Murray fan either, right? Mm. But like, I feel the same way. Like, I feel like if I needed to win a game, like Matt Murray would probably be in my short list of guys I'd choose over guys like Holtby, and maybe even over a guy like Price. Like, I would probably be choose quick. And Murray before I would go to to Price or Bob for a game seven. Holby's kind of an interesting case because his playoff numbers are really good, and I don't think that you could ever fault a Capitals goalie necessarily for a lack of success in the playoffs.
2: Hey, now you know who I'm actually taking. I've decided. Who's that? And like I said, there's a lot of conditions for this, but as long as the NHL is on board with me, I'm taking Robin Lehner. <laughs> Why? As long as me and the NHL both agree that they need to win this game, that they need to win guy. this
1: game. So you're saying <laughs> you're saying for the on the off chance that the NHL wants Buffalo to win a game, yeah, exactly. The fix is in.
2: The you it. know what the Pagulas called in their favor, and they said this is what we need. And um, yeah, he and I are going to, to finish. You, no, honestly, do you know who I would take? Who? Locked in Connor Hellebuck. I think he's having a fantastic season. I think watching him night in night out, if when he's locked in, he's better than anyone. And then Corey Crawford is another guy. You know what? I think I've just named 11 starting goaltenders named- <laughs> I take. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Holly Box, obviously Lanner. a Team USA homer pick. I yeah. want to pause on Lanner for a second because I didn't really write about this or tweet about it because I don't think anything's come of it yet, but maybe it will. Who knows? Uh, I asked Lanner about the the NHL is, is fixing games against the Sabres by
2: uh <laughs> by, fixing by, calls by, in Toronto. by
1: using their replay apparatus to overturn plays against buffalo and uh, I'm like D- I thought your comments were really interesting. do you have any that you know if is there any reaction from the team from the league anything else and he kind of just shut me down and said, you know like I'm not really talking about this anymore, but the interesting thing I found out was uh the NHL is talking about it um colin campbell was set to speak with robin laner at some point uh during the winter classic um maybe there was going to be punishment after that talk or maybe it was just like
2: do you know hey, what i love hey, if it was you like just a one-day wanted to get inside internship. your head and,
1: yeah i just yeah. wanted to get inside your head and figure out exactly why you think we're fixing games no i love um, a
2: one-day internship where they invite him to toronto into the control booth and say robin this is exactly how we do it and just so he can be more informed next time he speaks See to me like that.
1: Uh, to, the 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 to cherry on the Sunday obviously is like I don't know if they're going to find him or not, but I know that was still on the table that there might be some punishment coming down on a player who accused the NHL of fixing games. But like to me like that's a much better solution than hitting a guy with like a a fifty thousand dollar fine. Like mm-hmm. have him come and understand the process more. The pull process. back the curtain. Yeah, have him understand that it's it's really hard to do the thing that he claims they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So that makes a total amount of sense. All right. Take a short break. On the other side, you're going to hear Brian Gianta, Team USA captain, joining us here on ESPN on Ice to talk about being a de facto member of the Bills Mafia, to talk about uh, the selection process and what's going to go into making making Team USA a success, and to talk about how, at the end of the day, since the NHL players aren't going, even if you beat Canada – you probably haven't beat Canada. We'll be right back. And we're back. Emily, scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about this Team USA roster?
2: 4.8. <laughs> <laughs> Is it higher or lower than you thought?
1: That's, that's that, maybe a bit lower. I'll have to admit, though, that uh, you know, when it comes to a 4.8, my mind immediately raced to having seen I, Tanya, last week. Which, you know, I think belo- a short discussion of the Tanya Harding movie does belong on any hockey podcast. I will say this yeah. about it. Okay. I will say that it is not equal. The sum is not equal to the parts. Is that how the saying goes? I don't remember. But like, um, three great performances from, from, uh, from Margo Robbie, uh, as Tanya, as the titular I, Tanya, uh, from Allison Janney as her mother and from Sebastian Stan, the winter soldier himself as jeff Galulli. all three performances aces great uh movie as a whole couldn't figure out if it wanted to be good fellas or like a media satire it was all over the place kind of mess i was entertained but it wasn't really that great but the performances are good enough where i think i'd recommend it
2: here's my one question how yeah. much creative liberty did they take with the story was it pretty factually correct
1: I think it was really factually correct, uh, and that's part of the problem is that like they they really did drill down on on the the domestic violence issues between Jeff Gooley and and Tanya Harding. I heard there's to, a
2: little bit more of a character caricature of the mom.
1: The perhaps. mom, yeah, the mom was was, and th- and that's the really interesting thing about Janie's performance is like it's a great performance, but at the end of the day, it's just a really well written character with amazing wardrobe. But as far as like. <laughs> And by that I mean the parrot on her shoulder. But as far as like you know, it being a like like true to life, I think that's where the movie kind of fails. Is I wish that it there's a there's a moment where they talk about how people envision the attack, mm-hmm. and it's and no spoiler here, it's Tanya Harding with a bat, like taking out Nancy Kerrigan herself, and and like Margot Robbie doing a Harley Quinn smile at the camera, and I'm like. If we had more of that, if you had taken that sort of like everybody has their own opinion about the story and hears all of them, but in a really sort of hyperbolic way, I think the movie works better.
2: All right. It's on my cue right after The Disaster Artist because I've had a slight obsession over my Christmas break with the, the room.
1: I've I think that you'll enjoy The Disaster Artist better, but that's oh, just man. me. All I've right. read the book. That's yeah, the, well, okay. So, spoiler, the book's better. Uh, so, anyways, uh, 4.8 interest level from Emily for Team USA, but I, a, a 10 out of 10 interest level for all of you to listen to this interview with Brian Gionta, Team USA captain, and that's the first thing I ask him.
0: Feels weird uh, just saying it. It uh, <laughs> yeah. hasn't really sunk in yet. Now that you're off the podium let's be honest what was the bigger
1: thrill this week seeing the Bills make the playoffs the first time it's 99 or being Olympic captain <laughs> Olympic captain
0: you can't uh, <laughs> you can't compare the two but uh, it's pretty special for Western New York the 17 year drought for the playoffs to be over are you a casual Bills fan or are you part of the Bills mafia I'm a casual Bills fan I would say yeah uh, you know, my aunt yeah. and family and all of them are uh, diehard uh, Bill's Moth.
1: Yeah, fun. when you when, like, if you're in Western New York, you get drafted into a basically. Yeah, like right? it's, <laughs> no choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just it's years. like if I'm from Jersey, everybody yeah. assumes I'm a Springsteen fan. Yeah. it's just how it is, yep. right? Yeah. Um, you mentioned the timeline of things. I mean, when, when, like, what was the earliest part of, of the process for you in learning that you might be on this team? And I mean, did it was it when the NHL formally announced it? it was before then, or
0: no? It was uh, it was as I was going through uh, my options for playing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they had called and said, you know, once you make your decision, we'll we'll go from there. And, uh, you know, so it was always uh, out there. It was floated out there as a, as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm just happy that uh, it came about this was week. Was it a decision? Like, did you have offers to come to camps and things like that? I, I said- had uh, contract offers to go and play on teams. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't that I um, didn't go to them to play in the Olympics. It was uh, a family choice. Right. Uh, and so it was uh, one of those things that... You know, you're, you're content with, and I made the decision to, to step away. Um, but having this on the the back end of it was, a, for sure, it was, a, it was a great thing to be able to walk into afterwards.
1: In talking to... I talked to McDonough and Chad and Kirk and Eichel yesterday, and I, it was the first time I got a sense that, you know what, like, these guys are pissed about the NHL's yeah. decision, but yeah. it's not about... You guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I thought that's the first time really clicked for me. Like it's 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 so above your pay grade as yeah, players. Yeah. yeah. That it, they're gonna at the end of the day be super supportive of you guys and not treat you like scabs or some, no, some no, nonsense yeah, like no, that.
0: No, no, absolutely not. And they're all you know, a part of it. it. It has nothing to do with that. It's the decision was made by the NHL and the NHL execs and from there I think everybody adjusts. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're playing in the league and you had a chance to uh you know be on an olympic team uh, that's what you'd want to do and yeah. those guys want to be a part of that that whole event and uh, you know it, it's unfortunate that they're not but it also opens up opportunities for guys that haven't had that chance I know.
1: figure it's part of like the hockey player mentality too that like you know you can't
0: mm-hmm. get
1: sentimental about the opportunities that are that are handed
0: to you you yeah. got to take them right? yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. for sure and it's it's it happens all the way throughout uh, you know that uh, opportunities arise uh, at different times um, you know early on and you know, when you're a college kid and they change their pros, the same thing uh, could have been said for that.
1: Or somebody getting hurt on the second line. Absolutely, you bump yep. up into exactly, the third line exactly. and take the job. It's I just, mean, that's just how it is, yep, right? That's how it works. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, though. I didn't. I, I, the, the, the Brian Gionta NHL career comeback facet of this thing is something I wasn't really thinking too much about. Like, Do you see this as a showcase?
0: No, I don't see it as a showcase. I'm using it as a, an opportunity to, to win an Olympic medal um and then from there we'll see what happens mm-hmm. uh, my, I've always been open um I've always accepted things and and been able to dive back into them and so we'll see what happens after that
1: what were your favorite memories from that first olympic
0: tour uh well it was for me it was playing with legends that you grew up watching madonna and yeah. Kachuk's and chelios's um it was it was being a part of those guys uh, i was being a part of of, of the olympic Uh, the whole olympic games it was as a kid that's what you you stop for three four weeks at a time and in the summer and the winter and that's all you watch you watch all the events around the olympics and so i think every kid can relate with it no matter what sport you're playing
1: as a hockey fan when you look at these olympics coming up i mean it's super exciting because all bets are off like we you know usually you know what canada's bringing you know what russia's bringing everything else like this is it feels it feels like somebody hit the reset button
0: yeah, and, and, it's, and, and it's, no one knows
1: what anyone's bringing, and no one knows what the teams yeah, are going to how they're going to yeah, gel or anything. Yeah,
0: Well it's and that's how it is, uh, and I think that's the exciting part of it is no one knows, everyone has a chance, and so it, it's that much more wide open. And uh, you know, you go over there and you have a good couple weeks, and you're walking away with with a medal. And uh, you know, it, it's there's going to be good teams. Uh, there's going to be uh, guys that uh, people haven't heard of that are going to come through.
1: How do you whip a team together that not only doesn't have Olympic experience but is going to have some real greenhorns on it from well, the college ranks? I mean, ranks. <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot
0: of uh, a lot of teams are in that same situation. Yeah, uh, it, everyone's dealing with it. Um, you know, it's uh, I would say probably the Russians have the most NHL experience, but yeah. um, you know, we got a bunch of guys that have NHL experience that have played at the highest level mm-hmm. and uh you know we'll use those guys as experience too those guys are veteran guys that will help with the, the college kids that um but the college kids uh give you that boost of energy they give you that yeah, yeah youthfulness that uh you know the old guys can't manufacture and again that's usa hockey man yeah. college yeah. kids yeah. Yeah, right yeah, exactly. it's like, it the lifeblood yep. of the yeah. whole thing yeah. right yep. <laughs> it's the whole development of, of usa hockey and that it'll be on showcase of how deep we are
1: yeah so if you got if you if you if you beat canada
0: What's that going to be like? (laughs) I mean, obviously that's your, your, you know, your main robbery because you're so close and uh, there's been so much over the years, (laughs) but... um, like I said, our focus is, is to win, and uh, it doesn't matter who you're going through. You're, we're going to try to beat everybody. But you've
1: been playing against Canadians your entire life. Don't you think they're going to put an <laughs> yeah. asterisk on it? Well,
0: there o- always is. In those games, it's always amped up. And you know, you look at the the World Junior game outdoors. <laughs> yeah. It was it's yeah. the same same
1: yeah. way. But it's going to be the same thing. Like just like now, when they say, "Well, you could beat us when it's snowing, but yeah. you can't beat <laughs> yeah. us." It's going to be the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. You couldn't beat us when the yeah. NHL guys are there. It's yeah. yeah. just it's it's a problem you want to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, though. absolutely
0: for sure. <laughs> it was it's one of those things that. Uh, When you have Canada... On the on the roster that night, uh, you're going after Mark. Yeah.
1: What do you? So I guess finally, like as far as team building goes, I mean, I know Tony's got a system. You're going to rely on the system. It's yeah. going to be sort of the the, 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 the the foundation for everything you do. But is there anything that you can possibly do team building wise between now and then with the players all spread around yeah, the, with, the world? With,
0: yeah, with technology nowadays, uh, we already have a group chat going that everyone's in. You know, it's a Slack. It's, yeah, it's, it's everyone's everyone, slack. Everyone's all built into that, and so the communication's already there. Yeah. Um, a lot of us have all already played together at the Deutschland Cup, so there's yeah. a, there's a lot of things that um, you know we've already done, and then once you hit the ground in South Korea, it's
1: it's still the idea is like a Google Hangout <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a
0: video, yeah, a video thing on their yeah. horrible
1: webcams, <laughs> <laughs> chatting with each other. All right, cool. And, and last thing was, uh, what's the uh, how many texts today?
0: I don't know. I haven't. It just keeps buzzing in my uh, thing. So oh yeah, we'll, uh, see what we're up to now. All right, Brian Gianta. Thanks. good luck, man. All right,
1: our thanks to Brian Gianta Team USA captain. And, uh, lover of all things American for joining us here on ESPN and Ice to talk about the captaincy. One of the only, or, or the only, I think, former Olympian on that roster, Emily. They will lack for experience on the international stage.
2: Do you know what I would love though? I think I would elevate my 4.8 to a 5.8 is after this world juniors they add like Casey Middlestadt. I would give that a 5.8.
1: I think there's probably a really good chance of that. I think we all underestimated the idea of of those guys on the on the world junior team playing for a spot on the Olympic team. And if you added a couple of them. Brady um,
2: Kachuk, please. Brady Kachuk, for
1: sure. Who has yeah.
2: more swagger and attitude and just kind of smarminess than his brother somehow. I love it.
1: Oh, and maybe that's why they only named one goalie is that they're going to probably take a junior goal. Man, you know, I w- this podcast seems to make me maybe like 60% smarter than I am in normal walks of life this is the all best like ever bl- my
2: own podcast makes me 60 percent smarter
1: well it's like i think it's talking to you like i think you make me be- think about things more than mm. i would normally
2: well <laughs> so i'll it- just take this as a compliment for me and not you just patting no, your own back
1: i give you all the credit in the world like you- it's Preach. like you reached up and pulled a yeah. chain light bulb-, light bulb goes on and i walk around life being like all dumb like Oh, why would why would NBC give the NHL three games and then it's like I come on this podcast I'm like oh of course because the NHL let them announce Brian Gianta and 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 the Bad News Bears uh, during the Winter Classic <laughs> so why wouldn't you?
2: <laughs> Should we get into our favorite segment of the week?
1: Ah yes indeed it's the Phil Kessel eats hot dogs segment. How could you forget? It's
2: Phil Kessel eats hot dogs exclamation point.
1: Exclamation point. You see, that's all I forgot was the exclamation point. Yeah. So yeah, basically, it. this segment is to reset it for all of you, uh, the segment in which we take one media created narrative, uh, and, uh, and just douse it with, uh, snark and acid because it's so dumb. The media created narrative we want to talk about this week is stop playing important hockey games outdoors. Now, we saw, <laughs> we, we heard this after the world junior game between the USA and Canada, a USA victory, and we heard this each year when there's a Winter Classic or Stadium Series game involving two points on the line, mostly for the Blackhawks, why is this an overblown narrative in your mind, Emily?
2: Well, as much as it's really important to get points ahead of this metropolitan division, you cannot tell me that this game the Rangers played against their mighty rivals, Jax Eichel and the Sabres, (laughs) is any more important than their Wednesday night game against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. I just, I can't buy it. Uh, it's just it 's silly it 's ridiculous it 's why there 's too many winter classics because they you know they make it too important and it 's really not and it's just it 's ridiculous it 's a four point eight of a of a media's
1: uh, sorry <laughs> well i think i think the over importance on the game is is an important aspect of it um mm-hmm. and and i and I think that you know they can dress it up, but at the end of the day it 's still an important game um but for me like the big headache about this is the reaction from some people that, that feel like it's an unfair disadvantage to the Rangers playing in this game or an unfair disadvantage to the Blackhawks having played outdoors all the time. Like, I'm somebody who, when it comes to something like the Super Bowl, for example, like kind of hates the idea that the most important game of the year in the NFL is played in a vacuum. Like, I like the idea that the conference finals exist in the same potential elements that they exist in throughout the season. So if the Patriots are at home in the, in the AFC final in the AFC championship game, there could be a snow. But usually when they're playing in the Super Bowl, there ain't gonna be snow because they're playing indoors or they're playing in Arizona or wherever. So the idea that, that there are a few games in the NHL season where the elements might come into play and your two points are at more, are more at risk than they would be if you were playing, say, in Madison Square Garden, to me is kind of a cool thing. Uh, and I think the only reason there's blowback against it is because we're just not used to it.
2: Right. And I think the different things that make it non-controlled environment, for example, like in the Super Bowl when there's a really long halftime show and teams have to sit there and twiddle their thumbs for like 35 more <laughs> minutes than they usually do, or outdoor games where there's shadows and the goalies can't, how is that more of a controlled environment for one team versus the other? Like, how did USA get more of an advantage in that World Juniors game than Canada did besides pretty much Bill's Mafia showing up and being loud and drunk?
1: An excellent point because honestly our, our advantage in that game didn't occur until we took the lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, because <laughs> the rest of the time it was like, oh, you know, Canada, they know how to win in these elements. They were born with a stick in their hand on the pond. <laughs> and then we started winning and it's like, it's completely unfair that Canada was forced to play in this blizzard. Uh, so, you know, that's just how it goes. Um, but, yeah, there you go. Stop complaining about the outdoor games. It's time for Puck Headlines. Puck Headline number one, Emily. Mm-hmm. Max Pacioretty potentially being traded by the struggling Canadiens.
2: As Linda Cohen said it best, uh, you heard it here first on the ESPN On Ice podcast. Let's put him out of his misery. Uh, look, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, firstly, he's a very attractive trade candidate. He only has a $4.5 million cap hit contract goes through 2019, and he's only 29 years old, there are many teams, the Blues, that could use some goal scoring, that would love to get a guy and have him beyond just 2018, beyond being a rental. And I think for Max, he would love maybe relieving himself of some of the pressure that he's had well, for most of the last 10 years where he's the captain and has to, you know, face the media every day, a really intense bilingual media group and come up with answers when sometimes he doesn't have answers for it. So to relieve himself of some of that pressure to get some young prospects back, uh, it makes a ton of sense for me.
1: Makes sense for me, too, only because like his numbers have fallen off a cliff. I mean, right. he, he is on track for his lowest Goals per game average since he was 21 years old in the 09 uh, wow. 2010 season. He's got eight and 39 games so far. This is a guy who's hit 30 in four consecutive seasons. It just kind of, and, you know, and, and Pacioretty's been a guy in the past that's had his name bandied about, and, and nothing's really come of it. But it kind of feels like it's almost like the end of the line. Like not only because the Canadians clearly have some real decisions to make vis-a-vis their roster going forward. But also because it just seems like his production is at a, his, it seems like he's caught the Matt Duchesne flu, where his production's at a level where maybe, uh, a change needs to occur and his, his stats are kind of pointing in that direction too. But, you know, it, I mean, the other hilarity of, hilarity of course is that if and when they do trade Patchy Reddy to think back to the absolute debacle that was PK Subban not getting the captaincy on that team, uh, and Patchy Reddy getting it instead of him. I mean, you know, to get in the DeLorean, load it up, fly back in time and see how life is different if all of a sudden Suban's put up as the team captain versus Patchy already at that moment in franchise history.
2: And I think the first call he would get if he gets traded is from PK being like, man, it's all good. Trust me. You're going to be happier. But
1: um, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm in Adidas commercials now. I'm These in Adidas so much commercials. Better.
2: I get to wear my hats in places where <laughs> other people wear hats. It's really fun. Like you're going to have a great time in St. Louis, man.
1: Yeah, um, everything's cool. Oh, and St. Yeah. Louis is totally where he'd end up going, isn't it?
2: Right? Doesn't that feel like a Doug Armstrong move? And plus, they have a ton of prospects that they could give. Um, and they're just, I think, Doug Armstrong's in this perennial, we're really good and we need to win now mode. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think God, it makes a ton of sense. It's so we, dire too in Montreal. Like, For example, I think a reason why he could get traded is because Mark Bergevin feels like he's GMing for his job.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he completely is. And it's going to be one of those weird situations, probably, where the GM gets fired, but the coach doesn't. Probably because, yeah. you know, the, the, as we talked about, I think, before, like the short list of guys that you could find <laughs> to fill that French. gig. Yeah, to speak French is it's extraordinarily short. Right. And Claude um,
2: Julien, this is definitely an anomaly for him. It's going to be his first losing season since his first year in the league, which is kind of crazy.
1: That is kind of crazy when you think about it. I think with the Blues, though, and that tr- and that trade possibility, it's a good fit. I guess the only question I have is. Is Patches the last piece of the puzzle for a Blues Stanley Cup team?
2: I don't think he's the only option, but I, I think they need something.
1: Yeah, to put him over the top. Yeah. But then again, he's never exactly been like, you know, a Con Smythe candidate in the play. Who the hell knows? He just needs to get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> this is the point. Yes. I, I'm, I'm very close to sending SEAL Team Six in to rescue Max, Max Patchy already from and the And then Bell after Center. that,
2: they can have their mission for Jack Eichel in Buffalo.
1: That's right. We'll say, it's it's probably a very short flight to Buffalo to rescue mm-hmm. Jack from that tire And fire. then we'll
2: send them back next year to get Casey Middlestat.
1: <laughs> Although I'll say this about uh, – I might put t- SEAL Team 6 on hold because of the thing I noticed this weekend, which is that there's a very good chance that Casey Middlestat could be the Matt Barzal to uh, uh, Jack Eichel – As as Matt was to John Tavares, where all of a sudden (laughs) Tavares is like, oh, pressure's off. We've got this kid on the second line. Things are going great. I feel like Eichel needs that, too. He needs, like, another scoring line to pick up the slack, another player that you have to worry about, and they might have that with him. So things might be turning around just a little. Like, and again, by turning around, I mean, like... The iceberg clips the ship instead of slamming into it. That's, that's kind of what I mean with the sabers and turning. As around.
2: in, they'll finish above the Panthers in their division.
1: Yeah, exactly. That, that's the, the sea change for, for Buffalo. God, I wish that team was good. Uh, puck headline number two this week. So Christian Wolwind
2: I love this Is man.
1: the head coach of the Swiss World Junior Team. And in case you haven't heard it, on, on Monday of this week, he was asked about, what kind of game he was expecting against canada and it was one of the most beautiful moments now there are some believe believe that this is just a man staring into the abyss being honest with himself and there are some believe that this is a gibhushenian uh disparaging your own talent to you know to bring down the expectations of the opponent kind of mind game but here's what he said we are far away from them they're faster they're bigger they're strong they can shoot better, they can pass better, they can do everything better. What do I want to say? They have, like, how many first-rounders do they have? And the rest in the second round. And one in the fourth round who has played the most NHL games so far. So what do I want to tell them? That we just battle and battle and try. That we have one in the fourth round, too. One. And the rest (laughs) are not drafted. Pressure? I don't know if we are pressured. We don't have any pressure at all, he said with an exclamation point. It was Damn brilliant!
2: (laughs) It was damn brilliant. And then my favorite part about it is if you watch the entire press conference, there's maybe a scrum of six or seven reporters, and they all try to give him an out. They're asking these questions like, "Well, do you like the way you've progressed in this tournament? Do you feel like? Do you like being the underdog? Uh, Is this experience good for you and your team?" And every time he just goes back to this like epic rant where he's like, "We're not going to win. We suck," (laughs) and it's just (laughs) phenomenal. It's it's really great. Um, psychological warfare, if that's what it is, it's really great staring into the abyss if that's what it is. It's just great television.
1: <laughs> one one peck headline to add. Uh, the Nashville Predators reported, as we do the show today, that Ryan Ellis, back in the lineup when they faced the Golden Knights in Vegas. Huh. Uh, Ryan Ellis, you'll remember, is the long-bearded uh, uh, defenseman. Uh, who played oh so well in the top four for the Predators last year throughout their run to the Stanley Cup final. And his absence from the lineup, uh, Emily, was also the reason why I picked uh, the Predators uh, to uh, miss the playoffs, uh, so which they're obviously not prediction. going to do. Yeah, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's a bad prediction. <laughs> so he's back now. All right.
2: Oh, that's a good. There's a lot of guys returning these couple weeks. We got Parisi back, Bo-me- But
1: On and on and on. Finally, in puck headlines this week, the next NHL coach to be fired is whom, Emily?
2: So I think that we're going to have a long stretch where no one's getting fired. And right um, close to the playoffs and and when this team is finally mathematically eliminated, we're going to see Bill Peters go with the Hurricanes. And I know they've been turning it around lately and they look really good. But the Metropolitan Division is so tough, I don't know if they can gain enough ground. And here's why I think that it's looking likely for him. Uh, one is they have a little bit of an ownership change. And sometimes with the ownership change, we see a guy, you know, decide what direction he wants the team to go into. Two is this is a team that has come oh so close so many times. They have so many pieces and just can't figure it out. And once you get to that hump and the same guy is leading you just to that hump and can't get over it, you sometimes got to let it go. And in the offseason at the Player Media Tour, we asked a bunch of questions teams what they think the breakout team of this year will be. We have a bunch of guys that. And like almost half of them said the Hurricanes. And I said, why? And they said, because they're really hard to play against. They're a really well-coached team. And so I think Bill Peters is a really good coach. I just think that they need some kind of change in scenery there uh, to make it happen.
1: To go back to the Linda Cohn uh, 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 comparison she made earlier, it it literally is like standing in front of uh, a stove uh, with a bunch of ingredients. And I'm looking at it and nothing makes sense to me i'm trying to follow along on the recipe i can't figure it out i don't even know what tarragon tastes like and then (laughs) i just (laughs) i just pass it over to my wife and all of a sudden it becomes uh, gourmet so occasionally maybe you know you, you you turn the reins over to somebody else to see if maybe they can make heads or tails of the situation there because you know you've got talent you know you've got some pieces their blue line's great they're goaltending and maybe not so much, but, uh, but maybe you turn it over to somebody else to see if, if they can figure it out. So I agree right. with you on Peters. I think if they don't make the playoffs, he's probably gone. My guy is, uh, per- currently presiding over one of the most epic descents, uh, that we have seen in recent memory from being a lofty playoff team to being a uh, lofty lottery team. And that'd be the Ottawa Senators and Guy Boucher. Mm-hmm. You keep Guy Boucher around. To turn bad teams into respectable teams, you do not keep Guy Boucher around if he is descending into the depths with a bad team. Uh, and and honestly, like, dude's got a short shelf life no matter what. You know, in insofar as being an NHL coach, I think his 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 style and his his uh, systems and his approach are something that are temporary fixes, uh, but by no means solutions to long-term problems. And so, as the Ottawa Senators probably go into a uh, a, a a rebuild, or at, at the very least a a, a uh, era of salary shedding, uh, I think we're probably going to see Guy Boucher pay for it with his uh, his gig at the end of the season.
2: When do you think Eugene Melnick makes the announcement? Whenever there's the most publicity, like the All Star Game, <laughs> right. like he just waits for the right moment when everyone's <laughs> watching and then just tries to kill it. <laughs>
1: He's gonna he's gonna bump whoever's giving away the heart trophy at the <laughs> NHL Awards off the stage and be like, I'm gonna let you finish, but I kinda announced that Guy Boucher just got fired.
2: He's gonna Kanye them, yeah. That's that's perfect.
1: <laughs> so there you go. And then one more note, uh, this is from Craig Morgan, uh, who is a reporter in Arizona. Um, Craig's a good a good follow if you uh, for AZ Sports, if you want to follow uh, uh, Coyote's news. The COO and General Counsel for the Arizona Coyotes announced uh, or confirmed to him on Tuesday the team did not opt out of its lease and will play another season there. Uh, they have consistently said that they would do so since last summer, and uh, the lease automatically renews if the team doesn't opt out. So attention Seattle, attention Houston, attention Quebec City, Kansas City, everywhere else that has an arena and cravenly wants an NHL team one more year at least for the Coyotes in Glendale.
2: Well, that's great news. And look, if you're a Coyotes fan and you want to rant about it or if you're any other kind of fan and you want to rant about anything, this is just a reminder that our voicemail is open and we're going to start this segment soon where we have a fan rant at the end of every episode. So, the number you can call is 860-516-1029. Give us a thirty-second, minute, however long you want, rant about whatever's on your hockey mind, and we will air the best entries on ESPN on Ice.
1: Yeah, and this is an airing of grievances. You know, this is a, a a chance for you to go. It's an all-year festivist. It's an it's an all-year festivist, right? And it could be it could be something as myopic as oh, I don't know, uh, you saw somebody in a Flyers jersey at the Rangers Winter Classic, or it could be something more serious like. I don't like the way Elaine Vigneault uses Kevin Shattenkirk, and he has to go. It could be anything, really, and uh, and the line will be open for you all week, and we'll play the best the best ones uh, after the show, and we'll see how the segment grows, and, and maybe there'll be a, like a prize or something at some point for you for doing it. But uh, there's that. What's up for you this week, Em? You got anything going on hockey-wise?
2: Uh, not much. The Blackhawks are out of town until the fifth. We got the Golden Knights. The wait, is, do they have a theme song or something?
1: Sweet, Golden Knights. They're
2: coming into town, so um, that's where I'll be. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'm just co- kind of tooling around here. I think I think you know the Blackhawks are here, but I figure like if they're not playing outdoors, I don't really feel like watching them. Um, <laughs> but I think it's like I think now we're in a, in, a, in a space that the now that we know Team USA has been named, I think it's time for us to start tracking down some of these guys and figuring out exactly how they feel about being Olympic Olympians, seeing how hard they hugged their dads. That as we cute saw, video. Yeah, it was adorable. For those that didn't see Bobby Butler hugging his dad uh, when finding out that he's an Olympian. I'm sure there's a lot of those stories. And, and honestly, like it's one of those things we kind of suss out our feelings about the Olympics that we're all going to have to come to grips with is, although the hockey might not be at the same level as the NHL, although this might not necessarily feel like uh, a, an Olympic tournament that you can really get into in the same way that we could, a USA-Canada battle or Canada-Sweden or any of those things, the stories behind these guys making the team are very much in keeping with the Olympic spirit and I think are going to be ultimately kind of like the hook that keeps us watching, I think.
2: Mm, that's a nice end note to end on.
1: <laughs> Indeed. A 4.8, ladies and gentlemen. That's how much she wants
2: to watch the Olympics. That's a 6.8 in my book. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I'm Greg Wyszynski for Emily Kaplan. Thank you for uh, listening to ESPN on Ice. If you dig the podcast, do please leave your feedback, reviews, what have you, on iTunes. Everything uh, that you pop there does help us out as far as rankings and attention and all that good stuff. Tell a friend about us.
0: We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. This has been ESPN on Ice with Greg Wyszynski. Download and subscribe to the show in the ESPN app and in Apple Podcasts.